I do not have an uncle this week. I, well, I'm going to mention that to you then. Yeah. Podcast yeah. here. In the, in the Jeff's uncle. Oh, my God. I can't wait to introduce <laughs> you to my cousin. No, I mean my uncle. Um, <laughs> my my uncle cousin, cousin is very hip. <laughs> just want to live in a world where you know that all the time but the fact that you've actually like I, that's insane to me that anyone could or would um you know it's actually texas okay and also <laughs> i can't guarantee that it's not 209 is 209 um, michigan <laughs> killer intro guys <laughs> man that jeff guy really yeah two, 209 is modesto Okay, so that was uh, so last this is time. 210. Yeah. Nice. Modesto. Modesto. Hey, per- a perfect simple podcast, episode 210, coming from you from Modesto, um, <laughs> where every re- week we read a, just a ton of comic books. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes not as many as other weeks. Some Sometimes it's mostly future state, and sometimes they're <laughs> like double-sized future states. We live in a crazy world. All I'm saying is just get off my back a little bit. Hey, Django. Hey, Jeff. How's my level? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to you? I haven't heard okay. Roman say anything, so I have nothing to compare it to. Roman has just only been here as a phantom for the entire 20 minutes of warm-up exercises we've done. I haven't. Oh, he sounds great. You, okay, you're yeah. perfect. You, you're okay. both balanced. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> 210, week of podcasting, under the belt, comics, in and out. Django, you've probably <laughs> got a box of next week's comics at your house, don't you? I brought them to the shop. Anything exciting in there? Yeah, I regret it because there's a shock in there. Oh, did you read number it? four? No, I I didn't even open it. I just brought it all to the store, and then you could say found it's out n- that it was in there. Whoops. Number four shack. Yeah, four shack. <laughs> Schlee shack. The Schlee stack. Okay, so anyway, that was that's what we do. Listen, that's what we do in our spare time. But when we're working, like we are right now, it's all business. It's business comics. I'm Jeff, and I'm tidying up my tie. It's two ten, motherfuckers. I'm Django, and I'm broadcasting from Texas. Modesto. <laughs> I'm Roman, and uh, I once shot a man in Modesto just to watch him die. <laughs> Roman continued the Modesto thing. <laughs> I love it. Because it's not Modesto anymore. It's Texas, motherfuckers. We're going to be talking about some very hot Texan oh. barbecue books this week. You starting... don't want to know what I did to guys in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I really started to learn. To... Um, <laughs> ha ha, number one is going to be one of the books that's what we're going to start it off with and then we're going to cream this oreo with we're just going to make the cream of this oreo future state we're going to talk about in the order that i read them future state teen titans future state kara zor l superwoman future state robin eternal future state superwoman nope future state superman wonder woman future state justice league future state dark detective and Future State Green Lantern, kind of, because actually only Roman read it. But I noticed something interesting while flipping through it out of guilt because I didn't read it. 
We're going to talk briefly about Sword. <laughs> we're going to talk about Space Bastards. And we're going to talk about Cereal, if we can remember what it looks like in oh, there. Yeah. I like Cereal. Yeah, how's your uncle? My uncle. My cousin ate your uncle. Your cousin ate my uncle. My <laughs> uncle went on vacation, got in a knife fight in Bexar County. With Roman. With Roman. <laughs> and your cousin buried the body. And then ate the body. Hey, <laughs> speaking of which, I got to I gotta share something with you guys. What do you got, buddy? I'm, I'm not doing the best today. It's because yesterday on the on the you can check the text message thread i texted Django when i started watching the new netflix murder serial killer documentary night stalker oh yeah i started that today too and watched two episodes of it last night watched the second two episodes today but what i've learned about myself is home invasion freaks me the fuck out mm-hmm Anyway, so that's the that's the setup tonight. Let's get some very spooky stuff for everyone. It's ha- this is our Halloween episode cool. two ten, Modesto, California, the spooky <laughs> episode. I know how I'm going to mess with Jeff now. Oh, oh God, God Roman, <laughs> that's that's real fucked up, dude. Man, do you remember being young and just reading trash comics because you had time? I loved it. Yeah, me I still too. do sometimes, Jeff. I know. I don't have the time to do it, but I used to read, I, you know, it's a different life, right? Those trash comics that we would read because they were there. And now I'm like, I, there's a stack of other things I have to go to. Like things such as Happy, issue number one by W. Maxwell Prince. This issue, art by Vanessa Del Rey. Can we? Does, can yeah. We, I, mean, I, I know you want to call it Happy, but can we call it Ha Ha? Because that's the actual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You know, it was a Grant Morrison thing. It's so crazy when I talk, as I'm sure you know, and I say things wrong in my head, they're right. But like on podcasts, <laughs> when you were like, there's some Batman episodes where like Roman's like, uh, <clears throat> you said 67 and this is like 54. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I go back and listen to him. I'm like, clearly I did. Like, where did those wires get crossed? Ha ha. <laughs> A clown anthology. A six issue clown anthology. Which... Is every issue going to be a clown story? Yep. Oh, wow. Cool. I didn't know that. It's pretty, pretty weird that you've got a pretty successful comic series called Ice Cream Man. And now you're starting a clown anthology. Like, (laughs) what's your deal, dude? Yeah, do we get corn dogs next? Oh, I wouldn't mind. Oh, that'd be sweet. (laughs) We're just starting a veritable carnival. It's a midway. What's the Um, crazy clown place outside of Bellingham? Uh, Bobo's crazy oh, clown funhouse. Giggles, yeah. Giggles the clown. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> we need to get these and drop it off for that guy. That's a, that's a Bellingham a reference. Lady. Is it? Yeah. I'm a sexist. Holy shit. That's yeah, <laughs> ladies can be clowns, man. For sure. They're, they're just like serial less killers. Scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they can also draw the shit out of a horror book. Vanessa Del Rey did the art in Empty Man, which is where I first saw her. Big fan. And she did that book called, is it Redlands? She was writing Redlands and doing the art in that, I think. Yeah. 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 And she's, great. she's she's phenomenal. What did you make of this book, buddies? I didn't know what to make of it. It was super bizarre. Like bummed out dude with a bad home life is a clown and he gets laid off and his his clown buddy mugs him in the parking lot and shoots him in the head and he I almost felt like after he got shot in the head, the rest of the story was maybe his his like dying brain making up the the rest of the day. But he goes and robs a bank and 
I don't know. It was it was super weird. I guess he robs the bank before he. Boy, but he that goes was the first home. Comic I read. I'm full of shit. It was the first comic I read as well, Django. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and then he goes home to see his family, and he perceives them all as balloons, which I don't think yep. he did originally. Nope. They no. say he looks like shit, and he's like, "Oh, you guys are silly." Oh, he's ha-ha. a balloon too at that point. Is he? Yeah, like he's a balloon when he gets out of the car when he when he uses the doorknob or puts puts a key in the doorknob oh i suppose Um, you're right yeah i didn't think i didn't i didn't realize that and then when he walks through the door we pull back and we see them from above and and they're not balloons this was super confusing and and nathan butcher confusing just like why is it right nathan butcher was like why isn't this just an issue of ice cream man i 100 i totally agree with that I think it's because Ice Cream Man, I think you can boil every single issue down to one like psychological word. One one word from psychology is Ice Cream Man. And I don't think that you can do that with this. And I think that, so I was trying to think about that same thing as like, why isn't this that? And I also think there's like, there is an overarching sort of meta or there's an overarching, I think, theme in Ice Cream mm-hmm. Man that we're working with. There's these characters and these consistent universal forces and like a restarting of the world. And and I could see him wanting to tell more stories that are kind of like that, but don't necessarily fit into that. This, to me, it reminded me like of that movie, The like Joker. I don't know if you guys have heard of that movie. Um, Wa- uh, with uh, Heath Ledger. Joaquin Phoenix and Heath oh, Ledger yeah, together. Um, <laughs> buddy partner crime <clears throat> movie. The, the what of it, you know, I, I it's an interesting thing. It makes me think of like when the first issue of Ice Cream Man came out, I bet we were sort of like, what is this? Yeah. I, I bet that this is very much like that. And I think in six issues, it will make more sense. But I do think that it's a, yeah, I totally agree. Like the thought process of why isn't this Ice Cream Man came to me. Roman, what was your read? Did you let you get in his brains? I love this, though I don't, though I didn't, I still don't understand the ending exactly. But um I love the art and, and I love the whole um, it's it's I can't help but think that the overall meaning of this story is somehow related to the the everyday life and the routines of everyday life that, that society expects of, of somebody, a husband. Um, this story is about the rejection of that. And the title of the issue is Bartleby Rejects the Premise. And it's somehow tied into uh, Herman Melville's short story, Bartleby the Scrivener, which I haven't read, but I saw the movie with Crispin Glover, which is a great movie. Hmm. Because Bartleby the clown in this, after he gets shot, uses Bartleby the Scrivener's line. Um, wow. Where Where is that line? I don't remember what it is. Um, Ta-da. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I prefer not to. I mean, that's what Crispin Glover as Bartleby in the movie keeps saying he gets a new job and he every time he's asked to do something he's just like in that Crispin Glover way it's just like I'd prefer not to and he keeps saying that until it builds and builds into this you know crescendo hmm. um, and that and that's going on somehow here too but I'm not quite sure how to articulate it but it's it's tied into that I love because I also really did like it and I was excited to talk to you two because I did feel like there's something I'm missing out of the end of it. Um, so 
if, if everyone is kind of wading through this gray space of, you know, concrete meaning of it, then I, I feel better about it. Cause I felt maybe a little bit like I just particularly missed something, but as long as we're getting into the muck, like these, you know, blame the news, the economy, virtual reality, the internet, the weather, it doesn't matter. Decent people are driven by any number of things to act in indecently. It'd be so easy to lose your head. And, and throughout all of this, in this, all of this madness, he maintains his sanity while also being like the, the least sane person. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like Roman, I like where you're at. And also just sort of that rejection of like maybe male role, you know, like things. Um, for me, it was like a kind of this, the, the a meditation on the importance of trying to stay sane in a world that doesn't, you know, condone or encourage being sane. Or like, Yeah. The, yeah. There's something in like in that movie, Bartleby, Scrivener that yeah there's a, a a tone of a theme of the uh working in an office day in and day out and you know filing and just doing all this mundane crap that that's the insane thing um or, and I think the clown here is is talking about that a little bit yeah or just that like in all of this insanity if you can maintain the perspective of sanity then that's really the only thing that defines whether you're sane or not. Or like if you're living the most depressing world, but you keep telling yourself that you're fulfilled or happy, like what is right or wrong? Like, you know, is it, if you tell yourself you're sane, are you sane in a world of madness? Or if you tell yourself you're happy in a world where you're cle- you know, clearly desolate and unhappy, are you happy? I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's maybe a conversation <clears throat> getting, getting at there. Maybe hmm. I, I, mean, the, I you cracked yeah. the stone open with this. I just, I didn't realize there was a Melville and like, he's clearly quoting it. Yeah, there's the, yeah. the other clown quotes. Um, uh, he, he talks about how um, he says nasty, brutish, and short, which is a Hobbes quote. Also. Like the, uh, the tiger? Oh, because the tiger is named after a person. Thomas Hobbes, yeah. Yeah, okay, I forget yeah. that. But I would say, like, in the very beginning, I wouldn't say this guy is sane. I don't think that he's driven insane. Like, this isn't this isn't killing joke where... where he's got like one bad day and everything goes wrong. I think he's, I think he's lost it before he even, before we open on his family. Right. Because he's wearing his clown costume already. Like he's already checked out enough from reality to think that he's got a future working as a clown in a shitty. Right. Park. So I guess that's kind of like the interesting thing is then like, you know, to me, that's kind of the conversation of like, if you're acting insane and being <laughs> insane in an insane world, but you think you're being sane, and that's kind of what insanity is, right? Right. Like, right. Is, you know, people are lost in their own thing. And so he's continuing to talk about how sane he is or mm-hmm. how much he's keeping it together. But I love this dude's work in that here we are with another book that is not Ice Cream Man, that is just forcing us to put ourselves in a gray, murky space and ask mm-hmm. questions that don't have answers just for the sake of engaging in a thought process. It reminds me of a line from a different book we read this week that I can't remember where it is or what it was. If you were going to pitch this book to me and get me to pick it up and read it, all you would have to say is that in the middle of the book, he says, goodness me, there's a bullet in my brain. That man with the little baby's face wasn't kidding right between the ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the baby face thing is... It's pretty good. I gave all of my future state scores uh, on paper 
today before coming in here. I didn't do it with other books, but I might try that in the future. But I would say I will give this a nine. And I yeah. don't fully know why, but that's the, that's the thing of why it's a nine is it's it, it questions that don't have answers that are fun to puzzle with. I would give this an eight and a half with the caveat that I reserve the right to bump it up later mm -hmm. after we read more. Um, I would also give it a nine. I really liked it. I really liked it as I was reading. I'm, I love the two-page sequence of the, the bullet oh. entering his head and traveling through his brain until it just ends up in this Looney Tunes type of thing. And actually, our discussion now, I'm, I'm a little clearer on the ending, I think. Go on. At least the fact that, no, they didn't actually become balloons. That's just his perception of himself right. and his family is because he's nuts. He's his got brain a bullet in his is brain. like a prepared piano. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, or both the comic brains. The, the comic is uh, nasty, brutish, and short also. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the future state. Okay, mm. listen. <laughs> if we're at the infinite buffet, the infinite, what is it? Infinite mm. Frontiers Buffet. At and the end of time. At the end of time, the Infinite Frontiers Buffet. And they're saying, hey, sorry, we're not open for main meals yet, but we do have an amuse-bouche before we get there. I would um, say, is it Darwin Cook something? Nope, it's just future state. It's just a whole <laughs> bunch of future state. Sorry, bud, we've just got a whole bunch of future state for you. But I would <laughs> say I if, if they divided the platters into weeks, week two's platter, to me, was better than week one's platter. Yeah, I I think I think by a by a shade, and I do not guarantee that my scores are going to reflect mm. that. Yeah, no, I mean there's no math involved, but I just like I I, well, I, I maybe not, maybe not. For for me, it was it was actually the opposite. I okay because last week we had Swamp Thing and and the new Wonder Woman, and those were great. Nice. I have some that I liked more than those this week. Uh, um. Well, what but I, my favorite of, last uh, week was the next Batman. So, Teen Titans. Teen By, Titans was. Oh gosh, do we even know this? Sheridan Tim person? Sheridan. It's not Tim the Rob Sheridan. Sheridan that wrote High Level, but it might be related to him. Huh. I have a cousin and, named Sheridan. Is it her? Oh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you zoom her in, and we'll see if she wrote it. And while you do that, we'll get into the the tips of this. This had. So yeah, Tim Sheridan, um, and then Rafa Sandoval did the pencils in here. This was the the things about Teen Titans that I want to like, and then all of the things that kind of steer me away from Teen Titans in the same issue. I'm halfway there with you. I liked the Red X thing. Justin is so excited about the Red X. He loves the Red X. It's from the Teen Titans show. He loves that. The identity's a mystery. So we know that that was coming in this Teen Titans series. That's a thing. Um, the bits with that, I liked but I, there was time jumping and a confusing order of events. And the part of me that was excited to be reading with the, the Red X stuff, that, that's only a portion of the story. And there's a lot of other stuff in this that I just didn't really know what was going on. But I, there are parts in this one that were more interesting to me than most of the stuff I read last week. This was one of the first ones that I read because I don't, I'm not a Teen Titans guy. I, I want to be. I've tried a few times. I never watched the cartoon and that's probably the, the biggest thing preventing me from being a Teen Titans kind of fan. Um, I read this and it kind of went in one eye and out the other. Red X looks pretty rad and I'm uh, intrigued enough to probably read the next issue, but 
Um, I don't think that the Beast Boy combining Gosh. himself with Cyborg landed for me like it was meant to. But it looks to me like Roman liked that a lot. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I, just, I didn't hate that, but I had to finish this issue and then go back through it out of necessity to say like, okay, what are the beats of this story? Like what, where did we go and why? And I didn't understand really anything outside of the conversations uh, between Nightwing and the, you know, female red arrow at that time, Miko. like a lot. Yeah. A lot of the drama between the characters and stuff. I wasn't understanding just cause I don't know these characters. I always wish that I did, which is why I was like, Roman, this end of the world Titan story from death metal is good. And he was like, that is not good. I was like, fuck. Okay. All right. Um, but like, yeah, this one, you know, a lot of names, a lot of places and references I didn't get, but the little bit that I held onto, I like the mystery of who this red X is. We don't know who it is. It tied it into like Robin Ward at one point, which is from what I understand from Justin, like they didn't identify him in that cartoon show, but the theory is that it was Tim Drake trying to test people as mm -hmm. Robin. Um, and this kind of says like Dick Grayson was it at some point, but somebody else's. And now he's doing, he's wearing his old costume. But he's got like a death stroke. I don't know if I'll flip through it. And if the next issue has some red X centered stuff, I'm into it. But if it's a lot of the kind of, magistrate weird future state world stuff then i don't i don't like that i don't even know if magistrate is in this one but there's just you know that equivalent thing I, is in here well i thought magistrate was all over the earth i thought i thought i thought that was like the background setting of all the future state books definitely the batman ones yeah. um i think it I was like kind they... sorry Django. well i feel like they they there's something like that all over, but I think that the magistrate is specifically Gotham and they hate masks. Hmm. Okay. I, I think with future state, there was going to be a kind of general overarching thing like that. And then totally conjecture on my part, but it feels like they kind of changed the goal of kind of what some of this stuff is. So now other stories have a kind of equivalent to it that like there is some, I can't even remember which ones it is in this that came out this week but it's like oh this is kind of the parallel you're basically saying magistrate without saying magistrate which is i feel mm -hmm. like what happened in this but i don't actually think they ever say magistrate in this one yeah i don't i don't remember them which is probably that. talia al ghul <laughs> yeah probably but yeah Roman, did you oh, okay. go ahead yeah no you, you you did you enjoy the h dial in here it was cool that the h dial was around um i liked that uh Starfire and Dick had apparently, it's kind of hinted they used to have a romantic relationship. I was glad to see that again, because that's the Titans I, I was raised on, the George Perez Marvel from Titans. Did you like that Dick would only give Amico two minutes to grieve? Like on the second page, they, they come up on all these graves and he's like, yeah. two minutes, Amico, then back to work. Yeah, that was fine. I, I like that, you know, whatever they've all been through that now Dick is more like, like Bruce was. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked the first like six pages. I was like, sweet. Like we had the kind of teaser thing. A bunch of Titans are dead. Then we flash back to all of them at this party and the Titans tower and Dick is reminiscing. And like, there's a bunch of banter between the group. I really liked that bulk of the rest of the issue had characters. I don't know at all. And, you know, Roman, probably you're familiar with those, that crew, but like the crew that is a part of the middle of that, that I don't know. I clearly don't know that. So I, I, it didn't have that feeling of like kind of looking through the window on a crew I want to be friends with. And, and then I like the, the cliffhanger of this one. I would give this one 
a six. I don't, I don't, I, I thought it was like poorly executed and how kind of confusing it was to follow, but I am continually tempted by Titans. Poorly read executed. I also give it a six. <laughs> oh, but I think yeah. I liked it less than you. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. The five, five point nine, nine. I guess I don't know. I guess I'll follow suit and give it a give it a six. I mean, I love the Titans. I I never saw the cartoon show though. I have watched every episode and every movie of Teen Titans Go. That's my guy. Um, but I love the Cybeast thing. I mean, I mean, he 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 changes into like a cybernetic pterodactyl. That's freaking cool. I just don't understand <laughs> the why of it. Oh yeah, they don't explain what happened to them. Okay, they're merged, but they were yeah. always best buds and the universe. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. And I did like the banner in the first half of the issue because that's what Titans was always about for me was was banter. Kara Zor-El, Superwoman. Um, this one, written by Marguerite, Marguerite Bennett. Bennett. Art by Marguerite Salvage. Are they the same person? No, different last names. Similar first names, if not exactly the same. We need to get Roman a chart for last names, I think, just based on the credits of the last two issues. Uh, surnames and first names. I agree. Um, his his cousin Sheridan is, I mean, she might be Tim Sheridan. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember what her last name is. Do you know her first name? It's Sheridan. Tim. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't think it's her then that wrote it because Sheridan was the last name. I never oh, known man. Sheridan as a first name. That's cool. I, so this I, was I, written by Bennett Marguerite and Savage <laughs> Marguerite. <laughs> Roman, what'd you think of this one? I I I liked it. It was one of my one of my one of the ones I liked more of this week's future state stuff. I mean, the just because when I opened it up, I was like, "Oh, this is this is fun, pretty art." Unlike mm -hmm. all the other, unlike the tone, it looked like it was different from the tone of all the other future state books. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. even if it gets dark later, at least now it's bright and it's it looks it's fun to look. It's just it feels other than the opening panel, which we find out Crypto's dead, which is I horrible, know. horrible. <laughs> Although I do love the idea that Crypto, even as a dead dog and a very good boy, um, he kind of is a teacher for her. Like she's aspiring to yeah. honor the legacy. With And I am an animal person. I didn't yeah, even that... really know it until I met Django and realized <laughs> that he's not an animal person. And I am an animal person. <laughs> um, yeah, people who run cockfights are more of an animal person than me, I think. Oh, is this with <laughs> the Night Stalker? <laughs> um, you need a dog. I do need a dog. You need a loud dog to keep that night stalker at bay. You're right. I hope I can sleep tonight. <laughs> or you get a hound dog. This one seemed like the most <laughs> likely to also be able to be one of those like DC ink young adult graphic novels. Like yeah. I didn't like I think this one was good. I didn't love it because I think it's for I think it's a well-done book for an audience of like a young adult reader. There's a lot of like yeah. identity development stuff going on here. And I really liked the identity development stuff. I think it was in this issue where there's like a nice quote of just sort of like enjoying doing the thing is more important than the results of doing a thing. There's a lot of mm. like feeling like a, a fake and imposter syndrome and stuff in here. And I that's a thing on my mind and I, I dig, I could, I can see the appeal to it. And even as a 31 year old dude, I was reading this and I was like, there's some nice themes to revisit here for everybody. And I, I think that it would make a really good volume as like a young adult reader book. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. And this other alien that shows up on the 
the moon colony where Kara Zor-El, Superwoman, is living now. Um, and she brings a lot of, of Supergirl, Superwoman becomes her mentor, but at the same time, she also brings up a lot of questions and, and makes Kara kind of look at herself, think, okay, how just how much, you know, how much is this is valuable consider, you know, self-considering and figuring out my identity and how much is just navel gazing. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time with the scripting on this one. Um, I thought the art was really cool. If a little simple, I'd like to see this artist colored by somebody else or maybe just colored a little more bold. That's a really good point, actually. I didn't even think about the balance of like the art duties in this because it's such a it's such a package, right? Like the art, yeah. it's like the penciling and the colors. It's, it almost seems like it could be the same person. Well, and it, it knows what it is. Like I'm not, I, I don't think that it's bad. I would just like to see it different. It is, uh, Marguerite Sauvage did do all of it. Okay, it, 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 I, I know what you're saying. Like, it's it's not perfect for my taste, but it has that mm-hmm. feeling of like Dustin Gwynn or something. Like, it, it is yeah. it is what it is, and to change yeah. any component of it would change the overall thing drastically. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see this Moon World much more saturated. Um, there was just a lot of scripting that seemed kind of disjointed and bizarre to me especially like when she's hanging out with Lunari in in the beginning of their relationship like it's one long conversation but it's they're they're doing different things it's it's showing the passage of time differently for their conversation and for their actions Mm -hmm. um yeah I it's a choice I just didn't I didn't like it I'm at the end no I'm I'm really with you I (laughs) I I think it's like not a problem isolated to this issue. I think that like future state as a whole mm-hmm. has pacing issues because we're trying to shove a lot of world building into what maybe was going to be more than two or four issues originally, but now is just mm-hmm. like two or four issues and everything feels like kind of bloated on top of a lot of them being double issues. They're trying to shovel a lot of exposition into these first issues. Um, and as such, the the feeling of what I should know and everyone is very confusing for me. Like my favorite ones that we haven't talked about yet this week, but I think the ones that did have done it the best are the ones that like have the least world that they're trying to introduce, introduce you to. And as mm-hmm. such the storage and, and this one isn't as bad as some. Yeah. I mean, but I, 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 I totally, I get what you're saying there. I, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. I see what you mean. Though I, I also thought this one was, it's pretty self-contained. Yep. I mean, which is kind of funny because it's you know under a dome on the moon. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I need to appreciate that about it. So many domes um, in Future State. There are. Well, Roman, what would mm-hmm. you give it then? I think I'd give it an eight. Nice. I would give it a five. I had written down a seven, but the conversation has pushed me to a 7.5 because I do think you know, hearing that Roman also dug it makes me, I think that there are some kind of universal things here that are mm-hmm. good for people to get to. And I, I, I really do think that it could, it could be a good, like, give it to a 14 year old book, you know? Oh, I, I would be yeah. up there with you guys for 14 year old for me. Yeah. Five future state, Robin <laughs> eternal. This one is written by a new writer. As far as I know, it's Megan Fitzmartin written or sorry, illustrated by Eddie Barrows who did the art and like the beginning big chunk of uh, Jimmy T IV's uh, detective comic run. Yeah. Rebirth. With yeah. Tim Drake. With Tim Drake. For a while. Yeah. 
boy eddie barrows i it, i have a weird relationship to his art because i kind of love it but it's also often kind of messed up <laughs> totally agree with you every once in a while it looks like he slips into his klaus jansen pajamas yeah. and draws yeah. something crooked and then <laughs> similarly every once in a while he gets way ahead on his deadline and does a really nice watercolor looking page like it's yeah. weird like sometimes he's like the detective comics run specifically had these like every issue had like a gorgeous full page watercolor shot of like a head and then panels behind it and and then everything else is just kind of grungy but I kind of wonder if it's not, I wonder if he just spends more time drawing characters that he likes or likes to draw because <laughs> Tim's friend with the hearing aid, he draws her in super fine detail over and over and over. And then on the same page, you've got Stephanie Brown, just kind of a, a mess of scratchy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where his head's at. Um, what I did like about this issue is that not as well as some, but it didn't seem to lean so heavily on the world of future state. Like it did, mm -hmm. but I became very aware this week of just, and I, I hadn't put words to it last week yet, but like the amount of work that I needed to put into different series to understand the world that it was in was mm -hmm. oftentimes more work than I wanted to put in when they were really trying to make it clear. And there's a couple right. books that came out this week where it's just like, I don't know, we're in a fucked up world, but you know, Tim Drake. So now do this. Bad and guy, MacGuffin, action, go. Yeah, this one took a little less work from me to get in. Like I know Stephanie Brown, I know Tim. They're mm -hmm. estranged, okay. Like all of that. Um, so I appreciated that. And then like the end of it, I was like, okay, cool. So Tim's going to get doused in some of this weird mech goo. Like, all right, cool. I, what is that going to be? And it Lazarus made me want to read it. Yeah, it made me want to yeah. read the next issue of that. So I, I was yeah, yeah. So now Tim's going to be immortal, maybe? Who knows? And yeah, I'm in and that the the last panel is amazing. Yeah, really. Doing is. That Spider Woman thing with ah, butt. that was the joke I wanted to make. Oh, I fucking I'm sorry. Dude, no, 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 no. I like 13, <laughs> 14 minutes before we recorded this, I flipped through all of my books because I was like, there was like two or three jokes I wanted to make, and I can't remember any of them. And I was gonna make like, I think it's cool that they decided to do that pose from the Milo Minara Spider Woman as the end there. Django, good job, buddy. I'm glad that we have the same, same wavelength. That's very, dude. Good. That's very good. Didn't yeah, have the depth of the others, but it didn't need it. Yeah, exactly. It's just a it's just a little bunch of heisty bullshit. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, so with with a nice little dig at uh, right wing shitheads in the middle, which I thought was pretty good. I give Robin Eternal yeah. six point five. I appreciated the ease of which it was like it gave me to get into the story and out of the story. I think the art was fine. I, you know, it, it was interesting and, and it was just like reading a comic. I'm gonna give it a seven point five on the Richter scale. Richter. Hardly know her. Hardly even know her. I'll, I'll give it a six and a half. Boy, it's just the way the way he draws. Spoiler here. I I I can't. It's it reminds me of somebody like a Brian Boland character, and I just can't yeah. figure out who it is. It totally looks or Brian Hitch actually kind of in my mind now that I, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking <laughs> Boland like maybe from Camelot three thousand or something, mm -hmm. but I just I can't put my finger on it. Hmm. Well, we do have a bundle of Camelot three thousand on the website today. Buy it oh. now. Camelot 3000 buy it Wait. now we have so many of them yeah. guys in the in Something the throes like of my like weird emotional state that I was not able to pull myself out of until I read future state comics today I, I peed at one point and I sat down because I have dignity and mm -hmm. I was late I was sitting there with my head in my hands like just sort of like 
looking at the floor, feeling ennui. And I got up and I have like a shower bar before you get into the shower. And I ran my head into the corner oh. of it hard. Oh, buddy. And I have this giant lump on my, Sam heard me and like came was like, what is wrong? And I'm like, I have this huge lump now on my head. I still have this huge lump, but it like, oh. I, fe- I had to like sit down. I felt kind of nauseous for a while. It was, um, wow. It was rough. You don't need somebody to invade your home. You're taking care of your head all by yourself, <laughs> right? I really liked your ennui joke, though. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I just used the word well. Ennui. Um, ennui. Okay. Well, you did, but it was a, the pun, too. I don't know how to use puns. I just talk I sit down way to too much. And um, when you talk this much and don't think about it, apparently puns fall out sometimes. I don't, I don't think um, I've ever sat down to pee. Just really? Puns. What? Roman, it's so nice. It's sometimes 2020, you... bud. You deserve it. I, I like to stand. I don't. <laughs> I like trying to. <laughs> man, the world has defeated me, man. At any given moment, I'm ready to resign to gravity. And if I have to fight gravity to also excrete waste, like, fuck that. I'm making pancakes, but I got a stool to sit on while I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Superman Wonder Woman issue number one. There's oh, a writer another number it. one. I know they're all <laughs> there are so many number ones. The writer's week. last name is Waters, but I don't think it's Will Waters from the store. Oh, Will. We'll Written by Dan Waters, art by Layla, Layla Del Duca, who did the art in Shutter for Image Comics back in the day. Nice art. I liked this one. Um, second most on the week. I think it was pretty awesome. I think the art was gorgeous. I really liked the art for the Wonder Woman book we got last week, but I actually liked the character work that we got for Wonder Woman this week in this book and Justice League more than the character work we got for her last week. Yeah, I thought the art was gorgeous. You tie it into a villain who I only know from a Grant Morrison story. I'm in. What was the Grant Morrison story? I only know that Sun, Sun Eater man, the bad, bad son that gets sentenced away um, oh. is, is from All-Star Superman. Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love the framing device in this where um, John, it, it's giving us the time it takes John to do things. So like 2.7 seconds to drink his cup of coffee. He could do it quicker, but he wants to savor it. I knew, I just, I heard you liking that part as I was yeah. reading it. And I love that his, the the first Superman action that he does every day is uses his heat vision to write Good Morning Metropolis out of clouds. I, that I love awesome. that. I that was that was cool, but I didn't understand how it works. I agree now, with you. This is the omniverse, Roman. In the oh. multiverse and in the <laughs> two and in rebirth, they would have used his breath, yes, which would condense and write words in the sky. Yes. But uh, in the omniverse, omniverse, eyes, skies. It's it's more of a like a Cockney, a, a metropoli rhyming slang thing. Eyes, skies, never we die. Kyle Superman. It's yeah. uh it's a thing that he's he's working towards. That was my audio clip. Two weeks ago it was Django saying it's not Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> Last week it was Jan- Roman saying something else, and I just said Kyle Superman. So um we're digging a grave for ourselves. No, I yeah, <laughs> I think that even though Superman Superboy had us a, a cape on throughout all of this, which I think we've decided he's not supposed to. Um, well, I prefer him with a cape. I do too. Oh yeah, 
He's what Superman. Kind of Superman doesn't have yeah. a fucking cape. Yeah, he doesn't I mean, have one in Justice League, cape. though. The shot of like Wonder Woman, the four vertical panels, like jumping up and saving this helicopter was great. I liked the way that it uh, incorporated Brazilian culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right? It, it, that's that's the right culture. How? But I don't remember it, how it did that. <laughs> um. Well, just like I had I, the the cachata um is an alcoholic beverage there i think that like the the gods it seemed to harken back to the the mythos of there i took some anthropology classes studying brazilian culture i kept expecting to hear capoeira come in like Mm -hmm. i i it 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 got close enough to that stuff for me that i i liked the way that it incorporated it without like and just like the whole this replacement sun god all of that is kind of coming harkening back to that myth so but it was just where she lived like it it wasn't it wasn't like, look, this is Brazil, Brazilian, Brazil, 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 Brazil. It was like, this is her house and she lives with these two gods. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was really well done. I love that line when it's like the sun god who and you like learned this thing. And that's how night and day was divided. And now he runs a farm. Like, like the transition <laughs> for that, like made me like stop and be like, oh, this is funny, actually. Like, I, I like that. And what I like so much about it all is that it wasn't something that was built solely on future state. This was a, mm-hmm. a future state story because it incorporated those characters, but there was no magistrates. There was no oppressive culture of, you know, like rich people hunting down masked people. It was just like, here are some new characters you get to have a story with. And I much preferred that there was no like I needed to understand the environment around it. So I can know. I can I give a counterpoint? Solaris. No. Oh, the beginning of every one of these issues talks about death metal, the fabric of space and time. Um new life for the infinite multiverse and glimpses into the possible unwritten worlds of tomorrow. This is not the John that we got in the Superman of Metropolis. Right. This is not right. the same universe. He, he has a cape for cripe's sake. Mm-hmm. So I think that what? this is not the world with the magistrate. I don't think right. that these are all definitely connected. I agree. I think the swamp thing one, is similar i think Mm -hmm. i i think that if anything i think that there's sort of like three or four pocket worlds the justice league dark story that we'll get to um i i think would have to be sort of a different world it's or like they're yes i i totally agree i think that you know clearly this isn't all just like i don't know change some names and it's the same story but i think that they sort of like maybe had the idea that there's going to be a larger singular canon and it's like no let's break it off into these other ones but the swamp thing you know like or or this one this one i think could be totally like i don't know let's hire some people to do this story take that angle make it four issues whereas the next batman one seems like one that had started and and but I yeah. totally agree with you, Jenga. I really liked that her punishment for the corrupt politicians was to write, I will not embezzle from the people of yeah. my city on their helicopter like their Bart Simpson. Yeah, I, I, uh, I also thought Simpsons. I, I love the idea of punishment by humiliation. <laughs> I was finishing. I gave this one seven seven 7.5, but I'm, I'll go up to an 8 if Roman makes me. Uh, I... Um, I'd like to hear what Roman thinks too. I, I'll give it at least an eight point five, maybe even a nine. It was <laughs> this this one and Kara Zor-El were my favorite future states this week. Though I'm a little, I don't know. It's funny. It's kind of annoys me a little bit because it hadn't occurred to me that oh, these books aren't all happening in, on the same Earth. 
the same continuity. And I know that's kind of the point of the whole thing, but I'm a long time reader, first time caller. And you know, I've, got, I've, got, <laughs> I've got 40 years of reading these characters. I like a little continuity. <laughs> I, th- that has been my frustration is that I'm, I'm having to put a bit more work into placing myself into every one of these books. And if I'm reading six or seven of them a week, it's a lot of energy to expel just trying to be able to follow the plot. Okay, well, it might be a shocker. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the vast minority. My favorite Future State book, possibly even so far, was Future State Justice League by Joshua Williamson with art by a different artist that was not Joshua Williamson. The art was done by Robson Roca and then had the backup story um, about the Justice League Dark written by Rom V, art by Mauricio Takara. And I just thought this one did the best job of being a story that I appreciated pretty much removed from Future State. Mm-hmm. I liked the art a lot. I followed it easily the whole way through. It made me like the characters that I was reading. And then it tied into the beginning of Grant Morrison's JLA run, which I love. And that's fantastic. So you got the Grant Morrison tie-in. I thought the art was pretty good. I think all the characters were written well, and I think they interacted well. Yeah, I really like this one too, for all the reasons you said. Um, I guess I forgot because I read this at the beginning of the week. But this this was also one of my favorites of this week. Um, it was huh. just a classic Justice League story. It's a mystery where it's like, why are they acting so weird? Oh, maybe this isn't actually the Justice League. I didn't care about it. Yeah, I like the Justice League Dark more than I like the main one. They got the new Justice League characters in there in a way, and like working to. I liked the rules, like the just like very effectively or economically, really in terms of storytelling, addressed like we're not supposed to talk about who we are with one another. Like they they created these rules for the Justice League, but they didn't belabor the point of it. It made sense. It was fluid. I liked they brought that the non-binary Flash character in, and Mm -hmm. I thought they deftly handled handled like pronouns in a way that. I haven't seen a comic book do ever, actually. Um, yeah. uh, this was the first time I was like, oh, well-written. Like, you you did all this awesome, and I would be pumped as a non-binary individual to, to read and latch on to that, you know, character were that myself. So I, I... And I think Super... Or like Wonder Woman was written really well in this. Like, yeah, I don't know. All the characters gelled really well to me. Green Lantern as well. Um, yeah. Um, Aquaman, Aquaman. Yeah, was I really liked her. I really like the way they incorporated, um, oh, Joe, I forget her last name, the Green Lantern from Far Sector, yeah. and how she, now she's their investigative person since Wally West is, and Batman aren't around. <laughs> yeah, they, they sent her to another shithole planet to <laughs> yeah. do things. I mean, so, I mean, sorry, not Wally West, Barry Allen and Batman right. aren't around. It felt the most like a DC book and mm. that like these have not, for the most part, felt like that. So I, I appreciated that. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the Justice League Dark issue in there oh i i like that one i like that one quite a bit but you know it had john constantine in it so um that's a rule (laughs) if constantine shows up i gotta like it and i have i actually haven't read a lot of the constantine or the the justice league dark but this was just kind of a fun assembling the team and um i love that uh bobo has 
the demon in him. I loved that. And just yeah. the yeah. way, like, this is my least favorite part. And then, like, the demon <laughs> comes out of this adorable monkey and it's this pissed off demon. And I love when they choose to write him in rhyme because some people don't. Yeah. And he, he's yeah. he uh, his his the way he releases him is gone gone the simian, rise the demon eat your gan, uh, that, that was really cute yeah um, for sure, I did, I if if I were standing in front of Rom V right now I would be too shy to tell him that I think he cheated with the rhymes by yeah. having an A B B rhyme scheme and no no rhyme to the A almost yeah. every single time but oh gosh i you know i forgot to even frame that that like a a b like rhyme scheme exists i i i just was like oh they just chose to like it's two bubbles so they're gonna have the second one rhyme with the next one like i, I thought they were just writing off made a rule you could write off bubbles if the second thought was gonna like rhyme you know like which is yeah. me just justifying a thing so i appreciate that you even remembered rhyme scheme it's a lot of the time it's um it's three bubbles and the first one doesn't rhyme with right. the second two and fine at least at least he rhymes some I, I can't remember who it was but there was some right it might have even been garth ennis who's like man i'm sick of making him rhyme and he made a deal with another devil to make him not rhyme anymore i've read okay maybe that was even the, the reason behind it because i've read stuff that doesn't have him rhyme and i'm like if i'm reading the demon like yeah. i i know yeah. roman likes to hear him rhyme i want to hear him rhyme he's supposed to be rhyming yeah i think maybe that garth ennis demon series wasn't he demoted from rhyming demon status? Yeah, I think that's what it <laughs> that's was. how he yeah. explained it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a. What did I say? I'd give it eight point five. Cool. Yeah, that was where I was too. So okay. sweet. I'll give it a seven and a half. Uh, Dark Detective, written by Mariko Tamaki for the first story, Matt Rosenberg on the second story. Um, who did the art in the first one? We know that Carmen DG and Domenico did the second. Dan Mora, buddy. Was it Dan Mora? Cool. Yeah, I saw Mora and I was like, Klaus it can't guy. be. Yeah. And the Power Rangers guy. Yeah, I liked the second story more than the first one in this one. I did too, but I liked the first story quite a bit as well. I wouldn't have read the um, second story if you hadn't urged me to. Yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad you read it because I, I think, uh, well, so let's let's go. Let's get there. Yeah, let's, let's get let's, there. Let's do one and two. First of all, if this is in the same world as the other magistrate stories, they keep talking about how Bruce is dead, but Bruce is clearly not dead here. Right. But right. he got facial reconstruction surgery to appear to be somebody else. So he's pretending he's dead. Yeah, I thought yeah. people think he's dead and he's just wandering around with a scrabby clothes on. Yeah, like uh, almost like the Batman of Zuren. Ah, I can make ah. a really tactical <laughs> costume. Uh, this is more uh, tactical. I don't know. I just I, I thought that this built the magistrate world better than anything else that we've read so far. Mm -hmm. um it's got kind of uh blade runner flavor and minority report kind of yeah minority report blade runner he even looks a little bit like tom cruise maybe that's who he got his face reconstructed Ooh. to look like i really like when he uh his his grappling hook doesn't work and he slams into the side of the building there's just like really nice colors on on a lot of these like super neon kind of blade runner buildings all over yeah um i don't know i i was engaged and excited for it the whole way through although i think he ends up in fucking crime alley again by the end which <laughs> or at least his own grave yeah bruce bruce wayne some i don't know destroy crime alley i i like the first story a lot um the second story is matt rosenberg from the first panel i was like this looks like weird shit it looks like they blew up one panel to a full page it and then does, as soon as you turn the page totally right. it, it gets 
a little more detailed and, and way better. Um, but it follows Cash Cole, who, as we all know, is grifter. Um, just kind of doing a doing an adventure with Luke Fox, and uh, it just had some great battle scenes, some good kind of uh, uh, situational awareness, like Jason Bourne kind of um, problem solving that I really really enjoyed. And just doing that that Matt Rosenberg character that he's getting really good at doing, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the Hawkeye free fall, the like very likable down on his luck, kind of sketchy shitty dude. Who's got a heart of gold. Like Matt Rosenberg is getting really good at writing that. That, that guy who is like a cat. When you throw him out of a building, he'll land on his feet. Yeah. And he'll say funny things while he does it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the banter. Like I love, mm-hmm. you know, Rosenberg talks about being a, a child of Bendis and I think he like kind of does some of the Bendis stuff without being as overtly Bendis mm-hmm. but just those like little bits of uh lines of dialogue like when he, like when he's when he's talking to the bad guy and, and telling Luke Fox to run at the same time he's like yeah, well, here's the thing run I have the money but we actually need like run to talk to the queen of or or when he uh when he's like, are you drunk? He's like, not noticeably. I noticed. Like those those yeah. back and forth <laughs> moments in conversation, which are, I think, get annoying when Bendis does it all the time. But I, mm-hmm. I really like this uh, Rosenberg's kind of like uh, peppering it in gingerly and not overtly. Um, I, and, I really like the way the, that first story looked, as I totally agree with that. Like the art, yeah. I think, was the strong point there. So just the like the conceit of having him have to put his mask up on his head and look stupid in order to smoke on the last page <laughs> yeah it was awesome there's a lot of smoking in the future i don't know if you guys have noticed that but well it's, like, a, it's uh, a police state you, you know, know it's like, the only way we can feel like we're doing yeah. something for ourselves but when Can't was have... the last time like jim gordon was they, they made jim gordon stop smoking geez like 15 years ago in comics yeah but you can't get that that fully get that noir sci-fi feeling without smoking it's true it's true. Why is Huntress so freaked out in that shot? She's like, <gasps> don't, I don't smoke. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I tend, I don't know, the art for this second story, I don't know. Maybe it's her night goggles. That's what it, yeah, must be. Must I? Yeah. I give the first one a 6.5 and the second one a 7.5. Uh, I'm going to say an 8 and an 8. These are these these ones got my number, baby. Nice, dark detective. I'm gonna say a first story. Uh, I'll give it a six point five. Second story, a six, almost a little less than six. I mean, I like the dialogue, except I hated the the run thing interspersed in his talking. Um, so you hated <laughs> that? I did because it just took me out of the story. Because I was like, okay nobody's going to talk that way as they're speaking to the guys with guns that are about to shoot you. Have you <laughs> never seen Indiana Jones and the last crusade where Sala does exactly. The okay. Same okay. Thing well, okay. Yeah. Marcus okay. plus, and plus I fell asleep twice during this story. <laughs> it was the last book I read on a night reading comic books. I read comics at a night and this was the last one I read only the first half of it. And I was like, <laughs> this, 
just go just go the okay. night reader future state green lantern uh roman the thing that was interesting to me is that in the second half of this story there's an interesting thing in that guy gardner the whole time is wearing a washington football team shirt and that is interesting because this is the only year that the washington football team exists because it used to be the washington redskins and they finally after way too long realized that name is totally insensitive canceled it and they've just been the Washington football team all year, and they refused to change the name because they had created too much merchandise with that logo on it. And now the entire time, Guy Garner's wearing this W shirt. I'm pretty well, sure. Hate- now I'm worried if I'm wrong. I Well, I'm wrong. May- maybe it's both. I don't know. I Oh, no. I don't know anything about the former Redskins team, so what they call, are called now, but I thought his shirt was referring to his old bar, Warriors. I'm sure that it is. It, that is a Warriors logo. Yeah, that, okay. Okay, but... Sorry, buddy. Well, yeah, but just a second. I do need <laughs> to send this image to everybody in the chat just so that you guys don't think I'm just Yeah, I'm curious what the team's logo looks like loser. nowadays. And the colors are brown, oh. maroon, and yellow. Yeah, um, yeah, that's but, that's a totally but, fair guess. But you're right. Oh, it's that is. Warrior thing. Oh, that's Dude, probably a Warrior persona. <clears throat> this is some nerdy shit, guys. Sorry, there get us is. out of it, James. There it is. Look at that. Yeah, he's been doing it forever. Yeah. Huh. Dang. I thought it was a football reference. I got really excited that my favorite pastime got tied into comics. Well, see, well, no, that's cool that the the Warriors football team is, you know, using Guy Gardner's logo. You're right. <laughs> so Jeff was wrong. Django Roman, Django, guys, support <laughs> Django, support Roman with me while he talks about this issue. Roman, I'm ready to listen. I support I, you. I didn't have the I didn't have the heart or the endurance for this book. Um, I read it because Green Lanterns are cool, and I saw that cover. I was like, "Oh my gosh, Nord is back!" Um, from didn't Dematius Giffen and Dematius introduce him? Yeah, yeah. Um, three stories in this issue. The first one again, it's dark, gloomy stuff. The core has been destroyed. Maybe got John Stewart and Salak and some other Lanterns. Nord on this world fighting in a war, and Nort, interestingly enough, is like a scary werewolf dude now. He used to be a joke character, this like friendly dog Green Lantern, basically, that was also a screw up. And here he's this scary, fierce uh, werewolf type warrior who gets killed. He looks a little <laughs> bit like Booga with a with a goatee from yeah. Tank Girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, he, but then I was excited about him, and then he gets killed, and oh. then. And they're talking, and they and throughout the thing, they talk about the god in red. And because we've got the king in black at Marvel, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, okay, gee, another cosmic and force. Blank. Yeah, yeah, big deal. The second story I liked better. It was um, Jessica Cruz. She, it was apparently she's been trapped for over a year on one of the one of the Green Lantern Guardians um, sector houses in space, so like a precinct house. Oh. And she's been trapped there without her ring because apparently none of the Green Lanterns have their rings anymore. Um, and there's Sinestro Corps lanterns stalking her through the through the corridors. That's not going to be good for place. her anxiety. No. Well, apparently at some point she managed to pretty much conquer her anxiety. Oh, I wish um, it were that easy. Yeah. And it's Super it's a cool heroes. story. It's a cool I story. The, I learned it. Yeah, it's a cool story. It's like Ripley and on an abandoned space station, and she's cobbling things together and beating the bad guys that are trying to kill her that are way more powerful. Dang. And the third story is Guy Gardner. Uh, at the beginning of the story, he does Sorry. have his powers, 
his ring. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was a little confused. When is all this happening? Because why are the other lanterns like trapped and no rings, but Guy still has his, at least in the beginning, and then it runs out of power, and then he's on this world for uh, like 20 years or something during the course of this short story. Yeah, 25 years later. Washington football team shirt the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he helps this, the two cultures on this world kind of uh, come together and twi- quit trying to kill each other. And, and Lobo shows up at the end. Yeah. And really? it, and, oh, God. And it was actually, I mean, I didn't care for the art, but it was actually a decent Guy Gardner story and had some laughs and Lobo shows up at the end. <laughs> so what do you give the scores on this one, my precious angel man? I'll go to 7.5. I mean, it would be less except for the Jessica Cruz story. It was pretty cool. Well, hey. Boys, let's go back to now. Okay. Still- I spent enough time in the future. Yeah. State. You're right. Let's go back to Washington State. State. Not, not the football thing. Not the Washington football. It's, it's called the Washingtonians now. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Um, sword number two by Al Ewing and Valerio Shidi, Marto Gracia on cover colors here. I, I just want to drop in quickly to mention Sword. What a bummer that a pretty promising like Dawn of X tie-in book or like new series, the second issue needs to be a tie-in to King and Black. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> you got a tough road ahead of you, but you're doing pretty great, all things considered. The way that they write it in is that because the entire Earth has been swallowed by that null symbiote. Um, they they're like we're in space and the thing that we need to do is get the five out of Krakoa like we need to get the five off of earth because with Uh, them we can at least reboot mutant civilization so they go in and do that uh they need the five and the backup right or is the backup part of one part of one of the five uh it's a good point um there are five cradles that have those backups so I um and I think even some of them are like maybe one's on the moon or off planet so i i I, they don't they don't talk about that there but that's an important thing to remember at any given time you got to have the five they can also reboot it off of the old backup this has a little bit of that teen titans feel where like they're throwing a lot of characters at me that i don't know would like to know better the only way to do that is to read the stories um but there's a lot of it happening within the x-men universe specifically because it's such a broad universe and then comics as a whole so i'm on board for it but it is a it's a little like okay i gotta learn these new people and keep track of them all and i dug in at the end there's a really horrible reveal of a bad guy showing up and i think that it's cable possessed by Noel, but it is <laughs> it is not really germane to what has happened and not super evident and i had to like go back and be like all right where is cable who is this oh is this yeah. cable? okay the only reason I kind—I of, had the same problem and i earlier in the issue they refer to like we have to find out what happened to cable and right he got overran somewhere or something so that's the only way I was sure it was him. Likewise. So yeah. Um, but it's a good book. And Andrew, he he just said he's loving it. It's his favorite of the like books to come out of Hawks Pox. And he says, for one reason, it's the only that has seriously taken on the burden of developing mutant technology, i.e., combining their powers to create new mechanisms. Uh I totally agree with that. I mm. of all of this Hawks and Pox stuff, you know, I, I think I think. 60% of it is stuff that I don't really care for. And like 40% of it is, is sort of doing what I wanted out of Hawks and Pox. And, and amongst that, there's still not a lot of exploration of the technology um, and sort of government nature of it. And this is doing that. So I appreciate that very much. I give sword number two and eight, and it's a tie in to King and black for the most part. So that's a pretty admirable thing to have done. Roman, what'd you give it? 
I'd give it an eight. Sure. Why not? It was, <laughs> it was, it was enjoyable. And there was, you know, yeah, I was confused by some stuff. Um, I can't even bring it up now because I don't have a copy with me, but, but I still like it. And I like, yeah, great point from Andrew about the technology, like this issue, they have the genius kid trying to figure out how to teleport people, transport them off earth. And he's muttering to himself about, well, if I can put like yada, 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 whatever this device I is like that, inside yeah. a gate, Krakoan gate, it'll work this way. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's what I like to think about. Yeah, exactly. You know, these yeah. King and Black tie-ins, I haven't heard a bad thing about them yet. This one is not a technically a King and Black tie-in. It's it's not right. numbered just, that way. It, it's just <clears> the <throat> cover has the King and Black on the planet and they're kind mm-hmm. of dealing with that threat. But I totally, you're right. Like none of them have been super King and Black oriented and yeah. more often than not, they're about Christmas. So like, that's my number. So before we get out of here, we've got two more books. One is Space Bastards. The main <laughs> credit on this is Derek Robertson because he's the artist, but it's written by Eric Peterson and Joe Aubrey. I thought this is a Django book. And I started it and I thought this is a maybe a Django and Roman book. And then I thought that there's enough, that's enough throbbing blood that they can be the only ones that read it. <laughs> did you so you didn't read the whole thing did you get to the training video that has the space monkey with the gigantic testicles if i did i was going quick enough that i didn't focus on the monkey's testicles i didn't realize the monkey's testicles oh god <laughs> i made it past that i made it to like after they had done the transaction and like traded it with a bunch of people and the courier okay. thing but man that monkey's testicles are pretty good <laughs> so this is Derek robertson doing some of his best work in a long time i think it uh, follows this kind of down on his luck accountant who decides to try to get a job as a postal carrier because he got fired from his job. So he goes to the casino planet and takes an obvious bad idea of a job to deliver things. And he gets partnered up with this dude who is basically just like, would you say like Despero plus Lobo? roman yeah definitely (laughs) total badass badass space biker dude um and the the thing about these deliveries that they make is that the more times a package changes hands the more they get paid and so anybody who picks up a package basically suddenly has a, a bounty on their head because if somebody can kill you and take the package then they've got something that's worth more money yeah because every time it, it changes hands the the recipient gets charged more. Yeah. Another yeah. fee. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's it's a really good excuse to just have seven pages of killing people and stabbing and shooting. And the main character at one point gets stabbed in the back and ends up having to kind of pull the knife out of his back in a bathroom using a plunger for uh, to bite down on. And then a few pages later, he gets stabbed in the back again, which I thought was really funny. Um, yeah just the opposite shoulder yeah yeah it's just like good good mayhem like i I would like to see this as like a hardcore harry style movie just totally gonzo one long take of nonstop violence yeah that would be great and it's such a great it's a classic great simple setup it's it's (laughs) intergalactic postal service and and yeah, you explained all the details of that, and it's just so cutthroat and awful, and awful people do it. And the the Lobo knockoff character, Manny Corns, um, 
<laughs> he uh, he explains to the the new guy that yeah, and you can play it safe and just and just deliver packages like on your world or whatever on on one world. But the big money is is the high ticket items, the the big huge Amazon packages, and those are the ones everybody competes for and kills over and. And I was wondering why would anyone ship anything to, and why would anybody want to get a package? Cause it's just going to cost you thousands of dollars or credits yeah. or whatever they use. <laughs> well, and, and I love the part where the accountant's like, okay, so you like people want packages that have changed hands a lot. Why don't you just deliver a whole bunch of little packages locally? Because you would definitely <laughs> make more money. Like if, if you're looking at this financially and the guy's like, no, you're, you're just a coward. Uh, we're going to go kill a bunch of people. Yeah, it's not about money. It's about honor. So it's like yeah. Lobo via Mark Russell. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah. It is, yeah, yeah if, if, uh, yeah, because Mark account- Russell, oh, go ahead. Those monkey's balls oh, are very Mark Russell. <laughs> yeah, and that whole commentary, because yeah, the accountant is right. Yeah, if you play it safe and just, you know, make small amounts of money over time, that'd be the way to do it. Mm-hmm. But nobody's doing it that way because they're all macho. Yeah, I love it. Like he he throws the the delivery into a swimming pool and lets a whole bunch of postal carriers beat the fuck out of each other, and then he electrocutes them all and and retrieves the parcel just to rack up the dollars. Yeah, yeah. This guy, the accountant. Yeah, the way he mid issue kind of turns around and goes, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna." He's suddenly very good at figuring out how to how to be good at this job. Yeah, yeah. It's very clever. 8.5 for me. I think this might be this and Ha Ha were my favorite books this week, I think. Sorry, yeah. DC. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, you know, um, let me look here. Oh, man. You've got a gooey smirk on your face. A gooey smirk yeah. is a really very good and super you bummer know, yeah, phrase yeah. to have just brought into the show. Yeah, yeah, this gets the gooey smirk and the gooey oh, duck. I mean, man. I had the most fun reading this book this week. Oh. I, you know, I laughed out loud more than once. I had, I knew, I got into it, and I was like, "This is that thing that Roman loves." That like he, it seems, I know he doesn't feel guilty, but it feels like maybe he <laughs> feels a little guilty for liking it. He's, you know, like I just, God, you're disgusting. You're disgusting. <laughs> a gooey duck on that one. My it's Lobo from before Lobo got kind of neutered like before they cut his gigantic monkey balls off yeah yeah. and he's actually got a cooler spaceship than lobo's bike yeah (laughs) it is cool (laughs) terry moore um serial number one abstract studios my question do you think this is related to anything is the little that that was gonna be my question for you guys little girl in five years who had been introduced in other series who's like Mm -hmm. She's like a demon or again a timeless person trapped in a young person's body. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering if that was her here. That's what I was going to ask you guys. Is that the same little girl? I thought it was at first, but the the woman who's in the car in the <clears throat> beginning who who kills the rapey guy or no. Later? So let's okay. Let's tell yeah. all the listeners the, the, here. The little girl that's on the cover. Yeah, yeah. So this series is the first half of it is a really uncomfortable situation with a girl who's sixteen in a car with her manager at a pizza place or something. And he's like giving her a ride home and he basically tries to rape her, take advantage of her. And she's like, I don't want to do this. I'm only 16. I'm going to tell my mom. He's like, no, it's totally cool. And they're on this really tall cliff. 
and he trips and she pushes him off and then it becomes clear that she wanted to do that she like wipes the car down finds this motorcycle that was hidden by a tree (laughs) goes to this storage unit i have one big question about this she's in the storage unit she like takes her wig off she gets changed she leaves and then we cut to this vw bus and there's this little girl sleeping in it and she has this dream and she's just murdering the fuck out of people in this dream Mm -hmm. and then she gets a call and she's like hey um the dude a dude got killed and it's the guy that got killed at the original and um and she kind of seems to know that he was killed and they're like oh i mean she's like yeah i don't know like what what happened i don't really know they're like well they think it's me and they're trying to get in the house and she's like oh don't let him in the house and then she bolts off to go see them Mm -hmm. so the question is kind of everything we don't know what's going on in this series but my big questions are one is this little girl tied to that little girl who's a murderous mature little girl from the other terry moore universe right and then second in this bit where she's in the storage unit why does she do this thing where for a whole page she puts on makeup to make herself look beat up and then takes the makeup off and leaves she comes in wearing a black wig i thought she was removing her makeup and then in the process of removing she smeared that one and then was just kind of playing with that look for a couple panels kind of like when uh when when hairy men shave their full beard they'll shave down to a variety of different mustaches before they cut it all off yeah <sighs> i don't disagree it's I'm just that she doesn't that pretty soon <laughs> she doesn't have makeup on seemingly she doesn't have ink to smear and she takes this cloth i assume she had makeup on to go okay. with the wig. I don't and it's funny even even though it was only a few months ago, I don't remember how 5 years ended. And we and we know from that series that Terry Moore's universe is all kind of they're all in the same place and left 5 right. years. So I'm just wondering I'm still wondering is that little girl the same murdering little girl from the previous series? Or if this is this her earlier on? I think the big question we all have is that we've not we all started reading Terry Moore books like 2 years ago. Because it's awesome. And Django's Roman's reading it forever, but I haven't read the comprehensive backstory of all of it. So I started like got on board two years ago, have read everything, but I don't really know the backstories on some of those more side characters. Um, and that little girl is the main specific one. I don't know if she's tied into Rachel Rising. So she's one of the like timeless demons that possessed Rachel that she was, or if it's a different I reality. Think she is i don't man i I don't remember i started reading terry moore with the echo series Mm -hmm. so i think i've read everything except strangers in paradise i've read portions of strangers i've read rachel's rising rachel rising for the first half five years and then kind of then five years motor girl i didn't read motor girl it was great i my answer too is that the little girl from the other things i don't give a fuck i'll read the next issue like, I don't think it I will is. read anything this guy puts out. At the oh time. yeah, I'll, I'll definitely read yeah. them all. I'm I'm just and and I love and I like you know I like his art. I, it's great art, but the my only sometimes it's confusing because they all look the same. All of his adult women and all of his like young adult teenage child people all look exactly the same. Totally with <laughs> except, you. except hair colors. <laughs> Before we get out of here, we're gonna give our scores for that book. What do you give it? Give it an eight. Real good stuff. I'll give it, yeah, I'll give it an eight. I was very intrigued with what the heck was going on. I'm going to go 8.5 just because I don't, his art, I don't know if I can ever give a black and white Terry Moore book. Like, 
what's the lowest you can give a Terry Moore book, right? Like they're yeah. so yeah, the like rocks seven maybe down to the texture inside the Volkswagen bug. It's like that fiberglass thing where it's all those like streaks that kind of go together. Yeah. I don't even know what that is, but he portrays it perfectly in here, like fiberglass. Yeah, and the sequence um, with the manager with his sixteen-year-old employee up on the the cliff that is so well done. The writing, the writing and just the visuals of it. It's perfectly timed. Yeah. Yeah. Great atmosphere. When he goes over the cliff, that's great because it's you can you can feel the struggle of like trying to hang on to the, the dirt and rocks and slipping further down. Yeah. A couple and seconds. His regret. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've made a huge mistake my whole yeah. life. I Shit. think Terry Moore is going to be like talked about with the history of comic books. Like I, oh, yeah. I think that he like he's getting older. He's still not a somebody that everyone like flocks to get. Like I order 10 copies of his books and that's like more than we need. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same point, I think he's like Darwin cook, you know, like caliber, like, you know, uh, Charles Burns, uh, that Daniel Klaus, that whole like auteur cartoonist category. I think he's, yeah. he's as high up there as somebody can get Django. Dina says Wolverine's favorite apple, eh? First, I will say Laura prefers oranges to apples as she's been seen with orange slices on her claws. Secondly, I think the real answer for Logan is ambrosia, which is a type of apple grown in Western Canada where he feels most at home. Currently, <laughs> Logan's probably enjoying a Krakoan apple that is being harvested on their new island home, although it's surrounded by an entire null sphere so it's snowing so their crops probably ruined finally throwing out a murphy's apple juice reference i feel like Django wants an apple 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 antinium wants an apple antium joke of some sort <laughs> yeah okay i'm glad that i recorded me working through that finally throwing out an murphy's apple juice reference i feel like Django wants an apple antium joke of some sort good luck biting into that happy new year dino chipino <laughs> aka x20d um xd20 the only guy who rolls my d oh. my rolls my dice second whoa two emails yeah and this next one is a big old one you guys ready oh god andrew carlson you dared ask for questions while sitting on several emails all right let's do it i'm going (laughs) i'm going to go through all of the emails i've sent and see what questions you've missed answering get ready for a long one elevator pitches jeff want you to give me a pitch with for hickman written spider-man series what's the big plot how long is it what's the core aspect of spidey that hickman wants to focus spider-man writes um jonathan hickman writes spider-man spider-man the bridge exploring a reality where he didn't become spider-man possibly tries to go back in time to prevent himself being spider-man has that already been done by another writer okay so let's make it more confusing or convoluted than that spider-man goes back in time goes and you know like a villain is there waiting for him or something because that's a predictable thing that Spider-Man would do. Um, it's a story not about Spider-Man interacting with the Peter Parker of his past, but the other people who would congregate in that same moment. Again, that just feeds back into Spider-Man's whole guilt thing. I think that that's what you focus on in a Spider-Man story. I don't think Hickman would get away from that, even in the, the Fantastic Four story when Johnny Storm's uh, 
goes missing. Um, it Thank becomes about Sp- Spider-Man's guilt. Roman, I want you to give me the pitch for a Ewing written Fantastic Four series. How space bound is it? Does he follow Hickman's <laughs> footsteps and keep Reed as a good father? Hmm. I think so, but he's going to have a lot more, more um, intellectual torture over his, yeah. over his, if he's a good father or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be definitely space bound. In fact, I, I, I could imagine it without ever going back to earth at all for a couple for of years. Yeah. <laughs> maybe um, an exploit. Sorry, please. Oh, maybe an exploration. Maybe he'll go back and do an exploration of that what was it how many years that reed and sue were off in space and everyone thought they were dead (laughs) dude i just read the next one and i'm very excited for Django's response to a garth innis written venom series what would he even do take it serious go buck wild like donnie satirize the homoerotic relationship between the host and the symbiote what's what are those two gonna do get ennis on venom so ennis on venom would probably include a scene where um Brock, Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock is covered in the Venom symbiote. So he is he is actively being Venom. He's having a conversation with with the symbiote at the same time that the Venom symbiote gets infected with carnage. And so it's Eddie Brock inside of Venom inside of carnage, having a three way conversation with himself and themselves. Um, I don't know what else happens but that scene is like issue eight or so out of 13 because he never does a sensible number of issues yeah you know it's never 12 or 10 yeah. is it erotic what is that like that threesome oh no it's it's like uh like a tennis foursome but just three of them <laughs> a tennis <laughs> get your balls out of my face and lastly anyone else on the cast give me the pitch for a Tradmore illustrated superman series just superman flying into the sun He's flying into the sun. Over and over. <laughs> over and over <laughs> again. And then turning around and coming back. It's Superman versus Solaris. Um, <laughs> like the guy we just saw, and he's just flying around inside of him, tearing out his eye, tearing oh, out his they, core. They got to go into the Phantom Zone, though, because I really want to see a Tradmore interiors of the Phantom what Zone. If, <laughs> what if the heart of Solaris's eye is like the Phantom Zone? What if the Phantom Zone, because it's Ooh. so much an opposite, like all heat, all light, all energy, like because it's Phantom, it's... It, taken out of it so much like a wormhole which is the gateway to a different thing on the other side of the wormhole nice. the phantom zone but on one side all heat comes out of it and creates a solaris heat star or something and like when he goes all the way through the phantom zone <laughs> to the other side he meets up with ragman because i want to see Tradmore draw yeah. ragman <laughs> that Tradman. yeah yeah i Absolutely. feel like Tradmore's ragman would look like stacked up band-aids in a similar way that uh jrjr <laughs> stacks sausages and now I have nine questions. There's three of us. So I'm going to start with me. And then the next question is going to go Roman. The next one's going to go Django. And we'll go through it that way. What part of the comics creation process is the most interesting for you to look at? Pencils, inks, colors, scripts. Pencils for me. Um, I, I would love more scripts available. I would really get into that. But uh, pencils are fantastic to look at. Roman. What is a comic series you really tried to like but couldn't, i.e. your least favorite comic series you couldn't stop reading? Oh, I couldn't stop reading. Um, oh, tried geez, to, I, I don't or, know. Or, but I, I think the first half of that, what is a comic series you really tried to like but couldn't, actually? 
man, this is one of those questions that put on the spot. I can't think of any, but I'm sure there's been plenty. Bendis, um, just Bendis's body of work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked his, not, not his whole body of work. I really liked his Doom and I really liked his uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay. You wish you um, could like Ultimate Spider Man was long. That's like, while it is only one still, of his series, it's like 20% of his body oh, yeah. work. Yeah. And I still think it's the best thing he ever did. It's very good. I wouldn't <laughs> disagree with you. Uh, Django, what is the most meh, middle ground, okayest comic you've ever read? That's a huge question. Man, it would have to be any number of Jimmy TIV books. <laughs> no, not. I think, I think just like like Marvel and DC books that I am not inspired to read the next issue. You know, there's, there's so many of them. Green Lantern. Yeah. Just nailed nailed me down. It would be fucking Green Lantern. I I like this question. I'm going to punish you guys. I'm going to make you also answer it. Um, Favorite Jack Kirby creation off the, off the top of my head. I'm probably, I mean like fuck, well probably fantastic four, but I'm going to, I'm going to say dark side for right now. Mm. Roman, what's your favorite Jack Kirby creation? Oh my God! There's so many. Uh, Captain America. Good one, Django. I think I would say Mr. Miracle right now. Yeah, I fucking that was in my mind as well. Just based on those covers he did. Yeah. Are there? Um, so that was me, Roman. Are there any writers you typically enjoy but have not had a great has had, but have not had a great output lately? Probably. <laughs> I'm drawing. It's all. It's yeah. It's all right. To, it's all right to say Grant Morrison. <laughs> Well, except is it hasn't what is what's the last thing he did? Green Lantern currently. He still does claws. He did eighteen days a number of years ago. Oh yeah, that actually that is um, that is a I think great he just answer. loaned his name to eighteen days. I, I think the last like two years of Grant Morrison output has been not that, what I would hope Grant yeah, Morrison would that's be. That's a great answer, Jeff. I and I can't, I keep forgetting because since we're doing the other podcast with him, I keep thinking, oh, he's a current writer. He's doing stuff every month. No. It does feel like he wrote <laughs> Batman for all eternity. <laughs> At least eternally. Um, Django, favorite series from when you were a customer or when you just started working at the shop? Oh, Jesus. From when I was a customer, it was clearly crossed. Based it was on crossed. My, uh, I've never, <laughs> even to this day, I've never seen anything like what his file was. It was uh, like... <laughs> Didn't you trade a whole bunch of like fixtures or something to balance out your file? Yeah, well, like for two hundred dollars worth of it, I think I had a three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar file. I was, yeah, I, I, like yeah, I don't want to belabor yeah, most, the point. Most of it was a box of crossed, but it yeah. was almost half of a drawer that we still. It was almost half of one of the drawers that we currently use. I was, I was a total fucking monster, and you know the reason that I think I bought the crossed ones first was not because I was the most excited to read them, but because I knew that I would be no back one for was, the Batman and the detective. Yeah, no one was going to buy those crossed issues. And I, I wouldn't have bought them <laughs> if I hadn't, you know, left the good stuff in the file. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I liked crossed. I liked to, be fair, to, to be some fair, to be fair, issues. No one fair. in the store ever thought you weren't going to buy those comics. Um, you guys were fucking broken. Roman was like, he's going to get them. And you know what? You got them. So, yeah, like, who's broken? No, um, it just didn't stop. Yeah, so favorite series when you're a customer. It's got to be Cross, because I've never, ever, ever, even in a box in back issues, ever seen as many Cross issues in one spot as when I started working in the shop, and it was Jenko's file. It's probably, legitimately, it was probably The Boys or uh, Walking Dead 
I, I moved over to the comics place from the other shop because Cosmic, because uh, Cosmic didn't Shout get out. Walking Dead once and, and couldn't couldn't tell me if they were gonna. Turned out it was a five hundred dollar issue. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, anyway. I can't spoil Walking Dead. Um, okay, it's Jeff again. Um, what made you get into comics? Um, well, I was using Stumble Upon, and I stumbled upon it. Well, I mean, I, I was born into comics. My dad was really into comics, so I grew up with comics all around me. But I stopped reading comics from like junior high through high school. Um, and I was using Stumble Upon, and I stumbled on an article that was a New York Times or something article about Neil. It was talking about the who, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader issue that Neil Gaiman wrote, and it was like Batman died. You're writing this, and I was like, well, Neil Gaiman's a name I know, and why the fuck is Batman dead? I was like, that's something I would like to know about. So I went down to the comics place and only Neil was working and um, he he's working at the shop currently, which is fantastic. Yeah, deliver um, boy. He was the first person ever and he walked me around and gave me the whole Grant Morrison Batman run, which was way more than I wanted to spend at the time. And I was very uncomfortable, <laughs> but I was afraid to say no. And I had like $80 <laughs> of student loan money that I was now spending on Batman comics. Uh, and I bought it. <laughs> And maybe that's why I like Grant Morrison so much is because I had to justify internally <laughs> that cost, which meant needing to appreciate it more than I could. Um, oh, hey, bud, you're going to love this. Yeah, you're going to. Yeah. Um, Roman, favorite comic book event. Favorite comic book event. Um, I'm going to have to say Future State, guys. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Not that. <laughs> no, probably. Um... <clears throat> The original. Oh God, there's so many good ones. Oh God, I'll say the I'll say the original Kree Scroll War and Avengers. Jeez, that is the most Roman answer <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. Django, favorite superhero villain power couple. Superhero and villain power couple. Batman Catwoman is the obvious one. Um, I can't even think of any other. No, I'm that didn't even come into my mind, but I'm you said it and I'm behind you 100%. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I would like to plant my flag in the sand as somebody who's against the goodification of a lot of the good supervillains. I mean, at this point, you could say Joker and Harley is a superhero, supervillain power couple, and that's fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then lastly, Jeff, why must you despise fantasy so much? Question mark. Prepare yourself for a Django cosmic style email in the future. Um, I just grew up in a sci-fi home and it was not anti-fantasy, but it was not super prevalent in what I was into. Although my dad was into fantasy, but I just, I liked, I don't know. I've always been like, I liked lasers and pews and ships and space more than fantasy, which I hadn't, I guess, gotten, I just really been hyper exposed to. But now when I think about it, um, I think that there's a little bit more, gosh um like analytical nuance like sci-fi can feel a little bit more like solving a math equation in its feeling not the fantasy can't but like i like the rules and the tech or what i mean like sci-fi by definition what is it it's like taking a scientific idea and then propelling it into the future or taking it to its extreme mm-hmm. right and then seeing what happens around that that's very me i like to hypothesize with ideas so um not that your question was sci-fi versus fantasy but um i fantasy always just brings up the idea of sci-fi to me and i've just my entire life i've been like well i could have fantasy or i could do this thing and uh it's it's like the 
uh, redheaded stepchild to science fiction. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I bet there's really. I mean, I really liked watching fucking the Lord of the Rings at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, I would. I think at this point, my. I don't I don't think I had the appreciation for historical context that I think fantasy has embedded in it. Um, I, I started talking to Roman about the Lord of the Rings and he was like, yeah, well, that's based on this and based on this. And and I was like, oh, OK, I didn't know, know all that stuff. So I'm going to stop talking now because I could literally bloviate on uh, thinking about that di- difference to me for the next 15 minutes. And that's bad editing. Yeah, I could. I, I would. I'm right there with you. Give give me. um Give me a computer hacker before you give me a broadsword. Yeah. I also think fantasy seems to have a little bit more action in it. Not always, but I kind of associate it with like, you know, sword and sorcery and broadswords and stuff. And again, action generally goes over my head. Giant snakes. He hates giant snakes. Why did it have to be giant snakes? Roman, you love both. <laughs> Do you have, if you had to choose, yeah, I was choose between to... one, could you? Oh man, Conan, um, motherfucker! You would totally yeah. choose fantasy. <laughs> I, I actually I, no. If I had, to, if what, what were you gonna say, Jeff? I was gonna say I agree with Django. I feel like you do lean fantasy, but oh. I I shouldn't have made any sounds because then I would have seemed huh. smarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually think if I had to choose, I would choose science fiction. But yeah, it's pretty close. Because you um, love myth. Yeah, yeah, I love myth. I mean, I mean, I love the combination of the two: science fantasy, like. Yeah. I mean, that's Star Wars. I mean, starts off on, you know, mm-hmm. a desert planet with barely any technology, but ends up on spaceships and blasters. And, See, and, and lightsabers, which are fantasy and science technology combined. Myth you, you levitate the conversation to a level of nuance that I'm not including, um, which is good. <laughs> You're more articulate. But for me, I'm just like Star Wars sci fi. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we could keep going and we could keep going, but I'm looking at the clock and it's 11.11 and that's what sign I rely on the universe to give me when it says continue. So it's time to end this thing. Django, any cleanup messages you want to give to the audience? Oh, you know, like us, tell your friends about us. <laughs> I would love to see us get twice as many listeners uh, at the end of 2021 as we had at the beginning of 2019. Yeah. Um, and that wouldn't be that hard if you all got one person to listen. That'd be awesome. You know what I didn't realize on my podcast app is that I have not looked at my episodes and scrolled down to the bottom and done a star review on like seven of the podcasts that I listened to. So like a week ago, I went through all of my podcasts and did that. You should do that on all of your podcast apps. Sit down to pee. And just leave a five star review or a zero star, whatever you want. But any review is good. Um, I still have never figured out how to do that. Don't tell the people that we need them to do it. We're <laughs> relying on I, them I, to I, do I, it. I know, and Justin's done it. I just, I, well, because I don't use the, the apps. I listen to it through our, the link on our, our. That's website. why. Yeah. So, <laughs> call in, write find, in, find your friend's phone, install it on their their thing. Go on Reddit, make a post about it. Say you like this podcast. Go on Instagram, tag somebody. Go on fucking Twitter and say, hey those boys at this thing did a great conversation about ha ha tag w maxwell prince they're gonna think we're just fucking um dookie heads if we do it (laughs) Um, those self-promoting dookie heads anyway that was already self-promoting enough um you can drop us an email at jeff at the comicsplace.com that was how we got the emails that came in this week they slip through the cracks at other places sometimes they're fun i I like it 
I love it. I would I would almost stop reviewing Future State just to answer people's email questions. Just, um, this was episode 210, Modesto, Texas. Dude, the next, capital of Texas. Next week, it's probably going to be a bunch of spam calls or something. 211? <laughs> you think it's 211 is spam There calls? is no 211. If you get a 211 area didn't, code, you're getting spam calls. Didn't they do amber is the color of your energy? Oh, I can't do any more numbers and colors today. No? Erica, Isn't that 211? Two, Erica posted a reaction video of me listening to whatever the shit you made me listen to earlier tonight. <laughs> Eiffel 65 Blue. Django had yeah. never heard that song. Okay. We'll see you all next week. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm Roman. Uh, I'm, I'm Jeff. And I'm Django. You know, I was wondering if like copyrights and trademarks weren't a thing. What do you think Marvel and DC would have duplicated names on? Would there be two Batmans, two Moon Knights, two Professor X's? Shazam doesn't count. I don't get that one, but let's hear your answers for it next week. We'll see you all then. Info. <laughs> Jeff at the comment.